0: Hello and welcome to the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I am your host, Lenaria Gaia, and here we talk all things body image, self-esteem, your thinking in your mind, how do you connect true to you in every part of who you are. I want you to know that all of you is welcome, so sit back and relax and listen to today's episode. Sending you love. and welcome to the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I am your host, Lenaria Gaia. And it's been a little while since I've had a guest on the show. And I got to say, I'm pretty darn excited for this one. I actually reached out to this beautiful human a little while ago and you know, got lost in the DMs and then magic happened and we connected. And so here we are. Please welcome to Luna's lounge this morning, proverbial lounge, Janelle Tester. She is a body image acceptance and celebration coach who has built a supportive community on Instagram. In the rare moment she isn't writing, you can find her thrifting, eclectic attire, which I'm sure we'll be able to see for those actually watching the podcast on YouTube, playing in a recreational street hockey league, which I'm really curious to hear more about, and watering her many plants. She has a beautiful following on Instagram with 12,000 followers, and she will literally help you change your relationship to your body, food and smashing that diet culture please a welcome to Luna's Lounge for this morning Janelle Testa
1: Thank you I'm so excited to be here I know I felt so bad I saw your message lost and I was like oh my gosh this is a great message why did I miss it but sometimes it just happens in the DMs <laughs> Well yeah and and you know it's one of those things that the timing of the universe
0: works really beautifully it's, it's yeah, it like you know out. we connected as we connected Yep it worked and, out I love how this works, Jamel, when, um, you know, we, we are on other sides of the world. Whereabouts are you? I live in Boston, so in the US. Boston in the US. I, I live five hours south of Sydney, and we've never met before, not, not in real life, or certainly not even had a conversation other than the text, and yet we both have amazing art and plant life in our, in our house yes love it oh I love your plants <laughs> I've just started getting into them and I know there's so many people listening and watching at home love their plants I've only just started having them around the house and I, every time I go to the shops I'm like one more plant one more plant I can see what people are now talking about my partner's like no more plants Janelle please <laughs> just one more but this one's so cute and I and I don't have a plant like this one and look at
1: this pot <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's worse addictions that we could have. I agree. They're not that expensive. It's okay. <laughs> That's right. And,
0: you know, they add more more oxygen to your air. Like, they're really good for you. Really good for you. Unlike some of the, you know, probably addictive qualities that you and I have both had in our life, you know, an addiction to dieting, addiction to making sure that we remain skinny to get our worth. I, you know, I followed you for a, for a while and I know that, you know, throughout your life, you've had very similar story like that in the sense of like, I have to be skinny, I have to lose weight, that that's my, my version. And you've been, I was going to say a victim, almost like a victim or victimized by the diet culture that suggests that you need to be smaller in order to be valuable. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your story? How, how have you gotten here where you're now posting photos with you in a beautiful bikini in your gorgeous body with enough written on your belly?
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I got here is because I hated myself for so long. And then I got sick of it. You know, um, my my history is disordered eating throughout the whole thing. Um, You know, I had a history with anorexia when I was younger, where I just restricted everything that I ate. I tried to burn off every calorie that I had. And I really did a lot of damage to my body with laxatives and caffeine pills. Um, That was brutal. And then it sort of developed into binge eating disorder. Mm. uh, Right. I binged and I didn't purge, but I tried to burn off calories. And I just I binged a lot, and I really hated myself, and I gained a lot of weight, and I was upset about it. And then I went to fat camp, and that was really destructive to my mental well being and Ooh. like even my physical well being. You know, losing like X amount of weight in ten days it was just it was not healthy at all. Um, Can I just pause you for a moment there? Because
0: in, in Australia, I've never I I've, I've heard about fat camp in America through through like Hollywood, through movies and stuff, but I didn't realize that it was actually a thing. I, I mean, I don't, maybe I've never heard of it here in Australia, but I don't, I don't know if fat camp is, I've never known an Australian to go to a fat camp. So it's like, that's a legitimate thing.
1: It's a big thing. It was a big thing. So the camp that I went to actually got shut down two years ago. Um, thank God uh, they had camps. I think they had seven across the U.S. It was the biggest one in the U.S. It was like on MTV and all of those things. Uh, it was called Camp Shane and, um, they had a bunch of losses. Oh, camp shame, shame. No shame. It it, it should be camp shame. May as well, right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So that was that was terrible. Um, and just did a lot of damage to me overall. Um, and then I sort of moved into like orthorexia, where I was obsessed with healthy food. Like yeah. I was obsessed with being as healthy as possible. Clean. Was, yeah, clean eating with no care to like whether or not I was enjoying the food. Like my nutritionist. Put me on a diet that included fish and beans and i don't like either of those things and like i ate them because <laughs> they i thought they were good for me you know yeah. and yeah so that's that's sort of been my history of what's gone on and throughout that whole period i just thought that i had to be as small as possible in order yeah. to be loved in order to be lovable worthy enough oh
0: you know i I'm, i I'm, I'm, i i take a sigh there because you know you're telling my story and you're telling so many people's stories here, and I think that that's why this work is so important, and why I love what what you're doing. Because when we speak out about our stories, we get this validation, yes, but also this permission to go right. So it's not just me who's convinced of this, and it, and 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 maybe i'm not crazy because you know maybe i just want to live my life maybe i just want to be okay with however i eat and and whether or not that decides to be healthy i mean i don't know about you but after years of just sort of eating i eat i eat well i've always really kind of looked after myself i and, and, and there's no judgment either way if people don't you're still you're still worthy if you eat like shit you know like it or if you're unhealthy i think that that's the thing I often get a lot of slack and I'm sure that you do as well, depending on, you know, the more popular you get, the more haters you get telling you that you're being unhealthy. Do you get that?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got one yesterday that just was like, I, you're going to die at 35 or something. I don't know <laughs> what, what that message was about, but yeah, I, I do get a lot of hate about that. Because it's crazy because all
0: like the people sit there and go, but it's unhealthy. And it's like, I'm not promoting health. You're not promoting, you're not talking about physical health here right and and since when did our worthiness depend on our health you know does that and I and often I come back to these people if I'm feeling like cagey enough (laughs) or like sometimes it's just block delete other times it's like I want to I want to find out because does the person with cancer not get to feel valuable does the person with a disability not get to feel valuable does the person I've got type 1 diabetes I will never be classified as healthy no matter how thin I get. I will never be classified as healthy. So does that mean that worth is dependent on health? That doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Oh, it's very ableist.
0: Yes. that, that and, and that somehow that we can, you know, I, what, I, you might know the statistics on this, but studies have shown recently that 70% of our body mass is determined on our genes. Like the size of our body is like 70% of that is determined on our genes. Like I'm not a... Like I've, I've been this weight and size, (laughs) I want to say I've been a lot less than, but I tend to come back to this neutral ground and have done ever since I was 16, I'm now close to 40. I weigh the same amount that I did when I was 16 now.
1: There's that idea of the set point theory, right? In health at every size that like you have a range that your body is comfortable in and like we can manipulate that range so much, but like it, our bodies want to come back to this, like the range that it's meant to be in.
0: Yeah, and ha- with with that kind of said, like for, for you, like uh, I know for myself that that set point <laughs> when I'm believing diet culture, when I'm not feeling great about myself, I don't like that set point. I, I want it to be ten, at least 10 kilos less than what it is, but my body seems to want to stay about where it is right now. How have you over your life, and I suppose over this journey, I appreciate that we're all works in progress. How have you, how do you manage that? How do you manage when your body set point is vastly different to the one that you want?
1: Sure. Well, I'd say I've made, I've made peace at this point with it. Not, not, you know, not a hundred percent all the time, but I also have, you know, straight size privilege. I'm, I'm a size 12 in US, so it's not. You know, I'm, I'm pretty average size, but I yeah. think I would be plus size if we look at mo- the movie stars that all of us compare ourselves to though, you know? So yes, I don't know. I think, I think I've made peace with it over the years. I just, that I'm, that I'm in the body that I'm in, it's not going to change. I'm, I'm the, I'm the healthiest I've ever been in my entire yeah. life. Now, you know, and that's, that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm okay where I am. And healthy in your mind
0: as much as anything else. Yes. I, I get that, Janelle. You know, some people will say about that kind of health thing. It's like you're only lo- if you're only looking at health from one dimension. If you're only sitting there going, well, physical health is the only determinant. So, I've been a lot well, not to say I've, I've 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 been thinner and I've been stronger than what I am now, but I was mentally extremely unwell. <laughs> I hated myself. I had disordered eating and then an eating disorder. So it's like, well, it, well,
1: if it's at the cost of mental health, is it really healthy? That's the thing. Like, my mental well-being is the best it's ever been. I mean, my physical health is pretty good. I'd say it's good, but like, my mental health is really where it's at right now. It's so good. Um, mm. and it, it doesn't make you any less worthy if your mental health isn't good. I'm just saying, right now, the space where I'm in right now, it's it's good. And and
0: that's kind of been a result. What would you say has has led you to that point? Years of you know anorexia, orthorexia, binge eating, disordered eating, fat camps, I, I still want to, I'm going to come back to that because I'm curious more about what that means um, yeah. and, and what that involves. H- how have you done what you've done? And I, as I said, I know it's a work in progress, but how, how are you here where you're so robustly healthy that you, more than you have any any time before in your life?
1: I'd say it's like, it's not just the, eat, like the cool thing about being in recovery for a disordered eater, eating disorders is that like your life becomes so much more expansive and big and there are so many more parts to it. So like I'm sober from alcohol and drugs. I've been sober for eight years. Congratulations! I, thank you. I'm part of like a relationship and sex 12-step program too, where I've been like sober in that program for five years. And like, mm. so there's, there's a lot of factors in my life where I'm just really taking good care of myself and oh. I'm. You know, I go to therapy. I'm on the right medication. I have bipolar disorder, but I, you know, I'm on the right medication for that. So I just feel like Ooh. it's a variety of factors, and one of it is definitely the fact that I'm not spending so much time trying to shrink myself that I'm able <laughs> to take care of all this stuff.
0: Oh, I, I I cannot agree with you more. The amount of time and energy you get back, you know, because my whole life was centered around getting smaller, getting thinner. So so that was literally almost all my waking hours I since kind of giving up dieting for want of a better term I speak a second language I I've learned how to play an instrument I take drama classes I've written a best-selling book I've you know like I've changed my life like since going you know what that thing I have so much more space and energy I look after myself I do yoga daily I meditate all the
1: time when I I'm
0: yeah there's so much more time space and energy to to actually look after yourself when you're not obsessed with shrinking
1: yeah and i actually have hobbies now i didn't have hobbies before other than trying to exercise all the time and eat as little as possible possible
0: (laughs) and try not to to to, you know attack the people around you because you're so angry that you haven't eaten
1: right oh my gosh yes ah so
0: so you know that all all those layers of feelings that we have around ourselves are so deep rooted so, so deep rooted. What do you do on your, you know, body shame days? Because I I, I presume that I presume and and maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, that there's still days or times or moments where you might get a whisper of the old thinking. Does that still happen for you?
1: Sure, sure. I'm going to five weddings this year and weddings seem to be a time where like, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm like one of the bigger people here. Or like, I, you know, don't look at like that person. And I have those moments of thinking where I just don't feel great about myself, but, but I remind myself like why I'm where I am. Like I'm here to celebrate this person. I'm not here to think about my body, you know? And I, I remind myself like why I'm here. And then I start to think about like, Oh, I'm really grateful that I get to be celebrating with this person. And again, like I expand, I go from like this really small thinking to being like, Hmm, I'm here because I love this person and I'm okay. And like, I just, I sort of like redirect the thinking away from my body and then I become body neutral. I don't become like body positive in that moment, but I I become more body neutral where I'm just not thinking about it.
0: You've said two very poignant things that I'm not sure that you know that you've said them, but you probably do. You said before about not shrinking. And then now you've just described expanding. Mm. And I think that there's something super valuable in that, because I would often say that not only does diet culture or societal beauty standards on women tell us to be small in size, it tells us to be small in being. You know, that there's a shrinking, like, be seen and not heard. I know that that's a children thing in the past, but women to not take up space, to not exist, to not celebrate, to not have opinions, to not put ourselves out there, to not literally take up space and so if we're small in stature we're also small in spirit but what you're describing there Janelle is is expansion of your being and not just shrinking you're talking what I'm hearing you're saying is that you're talking about the expansion of yourself to take up more space and not necessarily more space in the sense that I'm impeding on others but taking up more space in your own being that there's more to the, to the world than just this body. I get to celebrate love. I get to be there with friends and family. I, I don't know if you recognize that that's something, is that part of what you think about that there's the shrinking and the expansion? I
1: guess I don't think so much about the expansion. I think that I'm not shrinking, but I'm not, I don't think so much about the expansions. So I love that reframe. That's awesome. Yeah, and you exactly said it. And, and it wasn't until you said
0: the expansion piece that I thought you've just said the antidote the antidote for you at those points in times in the weddings is the antidote to the shrinking is expanding. You expand your awareness. You see what you're grateful about and, and, and yeah, you expanded your view on that. So I, I think that that's a, that's a phenomenal technique. I think that everybody could really get a lot of value out of that. When we find ourselves wanting to shrink in body, it's because we're not expanding out into the world. But as soon as we look up again and look out and, and look for what we can be grateful for or, or look beyond our body we will find actually at the very least body neutrality
1: yeah and a lot of days that's all I can ask for honestly like I'm not going to wake up every single morning and be like I love my body it's so great I mean sometimes I feel that way but most of the time I'm just like yeah I live in this body and it's it's fine it's doing a good job <laughs> and
0: and I suppose coming to that conclusion for you Janelle of kind of in a way, and I don't wanna minimize it, of like, it's, it's, it's my body, it's a vessel. It, it helps me to get from kind of A to B. Can you tell me about the thinking, of, like on a daily basis, obviously that wasn't always the case for you. How did you change that? Obviously your therapies and that kind of stuff. Do you have any kind of like tips or tools or what somebody might be able to do to help transform that for themselves?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I had kind of a unique experience in that I got a health at every size and intuitive eating nutritionist helped me transform my relationship with food but I don't think that's the only path I think that even just pursuing intuitive eating can really be life-changing mm-hmm. um and just like have neutrality with food and ha- have more comfort with food and more um like listening to my hunger and fullness you know all the things that include in, in intuitive eating but also I think building community was my biggest thing and just I have built this like I, I said that when I you know we first started working together I said I built this beautiful Instagram community that's like full of body positive body acceptance body liberation like all these amazing people and i i watch people of all sizes shapes and colors you know be themselves and yeah. i feel like that's helped, that's giving me permission to do the same for myself
0: 100 and i say this to people all the time if you if you're getting on your social media and you're leaving it feeling like crap about yourself you need to curate better you know, remove the people that make you feel like you're not enough and include the people who make you feel amazing about you being you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's exactly how I feel. That,
0: that term intuitive eating, that that kind of modality has been in my awareness for a little while now. I don't necessarily know a whole bunch about about it, though it makes sense to me. I feel like my audience and your audience at home could could use with A little bit more education around that. What what's the premise? What what is intuitive eating and and health at any
1: size? Sure. So there's ten principles of intuitive eating. I'm not going to be able to name all of them, but some of my favorite ones are like reject the food police. So those food rules that we put on ourselves, like I can't eat. I posted about this yesterday. I already ate a carb today, so I can't eat a second carb. (laughs) It's like challenging those rules that we tell ourselves. I I can't drink any juice that has. Sugar in it. you know, like those like silly rules that we've made up in our heads because of diet culture, like yep. challenging those rules and like, well, what does that really mean? How do I feel when I drink juice? Like do I actually feel bad or is it just this rule that I've created? Mm. Um, that's one aspect.
0: I love that. you know it, it's funny
1: with the belief
0: I, I found one the other day, and I'm sure that you do the same thing where you know i'm 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 living my life as I usually do. And then I discover this belief. It was, I was was sitting at a supermarket, just waiting for my mum to come out. And I watched a man leave the supermarket at one o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon and he was eating a Milky Way bar and like a chocolate bar. And I instantly thought in my head, the default belief came up and said to me in that moment, like, you can't be eating a Milky Way bar at one o'clock in the afternoon, how absurd. I looked at this guy eating a Milky Way at one o'clock in the afternoon, and I the first thought that came to my mind like, how can you eat chocolate bar at one o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday? And then I thought to myself, (laughs) what the hell is that? Like my body doesn't know it's one o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. Like, why why can't I eat a chocolate bar at one o'clock in the afternoon? And I recognised Janelle that I still, or up until that point, have these rules like I only drink soft drink on the weekends because like I'm allowed to drink soft drink on the weekends, or I would only eat dessert on the weekend. Even if I feel like eating dessert during the week, I have these rules around what I'm allowed to eat. Uh, It's amazing. I
1: I can't believe how many we've, we actually have. Oh, it's so many. I just did a, um, a group coaching program. It was bikini body mindset. So it's like the idea that we have bikini bodies at any time. And it's a mindset, not an actual like state that you need to be in. And we were talking right. about food rules a lot um, this week about how like we just have so many in the back of our heads that we don't even think about. They're not even conscious most of the time. And, and
0: that's the thing. I mean, you know, have you found that doing this work and being in programs and getting coaches and that kind of stuff brings it to the surface? Have you found that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
1: And I go, what is that? Like I'll hear myself do that. You can't have, or you shouldn't. Or, and I'm like, I'm able to go, what the heck is that about? And I just get curious about
0: it. Even someone, like, it was for someone else. Like, I I, I thought the most (laughs) absurd thing in the world that on a Tuesday afternoon, someone would be be eating a Milky Way. (laughs) Like, like, as if, I don't know, as if I was watching someone have a tequila shot at 9am. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of like this rule around why can't that person and why can't I eat a chocolate bar at one o'clock in the afternoon if I so felt like on a weekday my body doesn't know what day of the week it is (laughs)
1: exactly and I had this conversation with the client this week one of her pieces of homework was to break three food rules and in one of them is like she feels that she can't have breakfast at lunch or dinner or vice versa so I was like, "You have breakfast at dinner, or you have lunch at breakfast, and just break that food rule." <laughs> That's so cool. So,
0: so, so breaking. So, in, in the work that you do, and part of it, obviously, it was just this one conversation. But some of those food rules would be like, "I can't eat a chocolate bar," or "I can't drink soft drink on a weekday," or if I've already eaten carbs at a certain period of time, then I can't. Then I can't do it again. Like I ate Chinese food last night, so I can't have hot chips today you know what other ones can you like think even for yourself like like are there there ones because I feel like I think that there's rules that I have that I didn't even know exist
1: I struggle with still you can't have more than one sweet in a day that I'm like I can go ahead and have a bowl of ice cream I don't feel bad about it but I'm like you can't have another bowl of ice cream you're not allowed to have more than what you just ate you know I struggle with that one still but you're allowed to have two servings of broccoli right oh yeah, you can have like five servings of brown. It doesn't make any sense. And I feel, yeah, I feel the way with cheese too. I'm like, you can't have mac and cheese twice and it just doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> it doesn't, does it? The, these very stringent rules around it. How have you found, because it was really interesting for me, when I I developed type one diabetes, which is insulin dependent, my pancreas failed. So it's it's not a lifestyle. It's a disease that that occurred as a result of my pancreas failing. There wasn't, Anything that I could do about it is genetic, right? And so I didn't develop that until I was in my in my mid twenties. Most type one diabetics is known as juvenile diabetes. Most little kids get it. Um, so I was much later with developing in that. But 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 make no mistake, I am insulin dependent. Without it, in three days, I'd be dead, right? So I've had to. It's been a really interesting path to traverse because I'm at the peak of my bulimia. I had diabetes. And so I'm literally putting food in my, life, in my mouth and purging while tracking what that's doing to my body via my finger pricking with my, my diabetes. I've, I've had to, in many ways, control my food. It's sure. very bizarre. It's like I, because of my health conditions, and you might find that if you're a celiac, you might find that for other reasons. There are kind of rules for me that are important. I, I don't typically eat carbohydrates not because it's a diet, and it's been a really interesting thing for me. I don't typically eat it because it's harder to, for me to control my diabetes if I eat lots of carbohydrates and sugar, right? Um, yet I still do it, I think, for the very same reason. I appreciate that you're not a diabetic, and, and I, I presume you're not. You probably would have told me, not, me by now. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, what kind of advice might you give to someone? And I'm, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, so you might not have anything, but let's just brainstorm what kind of advice would you give to someone maybe like me who, for health reasons, I need to control my diet to a certain extent, but at the same time, I come from a history of eating disorders. Like, How do you think that, that like not a, not a one answer solution, I know you don't have that, but do you have any advice about how someone might handle that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of nutritionists could talk about this better than me. And there are nutritionists, like health at every size and intuitive eating nutritionists on Instagram and on different platforms, um, yeah, cool. that I follow. And I think that they do a great job addressing this. I felt really fortunate that my in- intuitive eating person worked with my nutritionist worked with people like this too. And she was able to help them navigate this, to think about the mindset that like, I'm not restricting because it's a diet I'm restricting because this is helpful for me. Like trying to think of what's helpful rather yeah. than like, what I can't eat, you know? Yeah.
0: Actually, that's, that's a really good thing that you've said there. I mean, I think, you know, going and looking at health at any size nutritionists rather than you've got to eat this thing nutritionists, I think that that's super useful. And then the second thing that you said that people would often say, like, if I if someone offered me cake, for example, sometimes I eat cake, but I appreciate that I need way more medication to eat cake, right? So I would say, no thanks. And they'd be like, oh, people, you know, you know how people force food on you? Have you ever noticed that? Oh, come oh, yeah. on, have the cake. And these days, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't succumb to peer pressure anyway. I'm not, I'm not like that these days, but sometimes I'll just say, I'm a diabetic. And they'll say, oh, you can't eat cake. And I'll reframe it and say, no, I don't eat cake. Because when I say I can't, that triggers old parts of me of like, I'm restricting myself. And, and I, don't, I don't feel restricted anymore. I feel like it's freedom because to me, I just don't eat cake. It's in the best interest of me and my health for me to not eat cake for the this diabetes.
1: Is me of, um, sorry to interrupt. This is reminding me of like my, my choices with like, I love McDonald's, but if I eat 10 McNuggets, I usually feel sick. So I usually choose six McNuggets. Yeah. And like, it's not, it's not out of shame. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of, I can't have it. It's just my tummy feels better when I have six versus when I have 10. 10. I love that. There's a sense of
0: empowerment of that. I'm, because when you give yourself full permission to eat or drink whatever you want, what, what have you found? Because I was just so restricted for so long. What have you found along the way of going, huh, like if, when you couldn't eat nuggets at all and then you might go on a binge, would you eat 10? Maybe you eat 20 nuggets, right? Right.
1: Well, one of the, one of the important things about uh, intuitive eating is the final principle, the 10th principle is gentle nutrition. Right, so it's it means that you do think about nutrition and you do think about like, how, it, how am I gonna feel when I eat this? I can eat like a pound of mac and cheese because it tastes good, but like, am I gonna feel good mm-hmm. afterwards? You know, yeah. so it's like also asking yourself those questions too. It's not just about like, what will taste good? It's also how will it feel in my body? Yeah, and, and the after
0: effects of that, right? I, I've been, i been, I often talk about building a relationship with yourself, you know, a lot of my work, um, there's body image throughout it, but I, I talk predominantly about confidence, about your relationship with yourself, uh, you know, um, not, not say holistically, but I talk spirituality. There's lots of different layers to that, um, body image being kind of one component of it. And I'm sure you find the same thing when, when you remember that it's not about your body, you actually get to just love yourself for you. Yeah, um,
1: absolutely.
0: I, I have this, I have this thing of like I'm looking at my at my kitchen sink and I can see that the dishes are done. And last night that I do this often. Last night did I want to do the dishes? No. But did tomorrow me want the dishes done? Yes. So I made a deal with me and I say, you know, my future self kind of talks to me and says, Luna, could you do the dishes, please? I'd really love to wake up in the morning with with clean a clean kitchen. And then present Luna says, says yeah my darling of course and sometimes it's in reverse tomorrow luna i really don't want to do the dishes tonight could you do them in the morning for me please yeah of course honey and i feel like it's the same with the food like i love that like it's coming
1: from i think it's the place that it's coming from it's not shame and guilt and all that it's coming from a place of love and yeah like, like you said. Future, future
0: future janelle how are you gonna feel if i eat 10 nuggets and future Janelle's like please don't eat 10 nuggets like I, like, I know if you want to eat 10 nuggets, I love you, do it. I'd feel so much better if we ate six, and then you're like, let's have six exactly. That's so good, yeah. You know, that's that's yeah, it's, it's curious. So, I'm guessing that you don't prescribe to any food rules for you, like, there isn't anything that you're not allowed to eat or allowed to eat, or obviously, you still think about nutrition. How scary was that in the beginning to kind of go from? I need to watch everything that I need to eat to now I'm allowed to eat anything all of a sudden.
1: Terrifying. I binged for years. <laughs> I really did. And I think that's important to think about like, what if you held your breath for a really long time and then you finally take air? What do you do? You gasp. So like, I yes. think when I restricted for so long, I, I, it has taken me, I just feel like I had the final frontier with sweets. It's taken me eight years to allow myself to eat Milano's. Uh, which are cookies, like they're cooking, okay. they're mint cookies. And I it it's taken a really long time, but I've just had like little things here and there, like I'm gonna incorporate ice cream in my house, I'm gonna incorporate cookies in my house, and I've like slowly but surely stopped binging on them. Yeah,
0: and, and how how have you learned to trust yourself with that? I know that so many people, and myself included in the past, like if there's chips or cookies or Milanos, ice cream, if there's something in my house then I'll eat it. If I don't buy it, then it's not there. And I have to make myself go to the shop. So I'm putting an obstacle between that thing and that thing. How did, how have you learned to trust yourself that you can eat two Milano's without eating 12 packets of them?
1: Honestly, like it was exposure therapy that I just, I just started putting it in my house. And like I said, for a while, I did binge on it. Honestly, It was, I think I like binged at first, but slowly I I knew that I was allowed to have it. And I had this mindset change that like, it's not a forbidden fruit anymore. You know, it's, it's in your cabinet. You can have it whenever you want, Janelle, it's okay. And like, I had to slowly have this mindset change.
0: And I really like what you're saying there about that, about the breath, you know, that starvation. If you, if you've been starving, and it doesn't matter what foods put in front of you, you will eat it. And, and the reality is, is that when we've been on a diet, even if our body doesn't look like we're starving, it has been, you know, it, it has been restricted. I remember um, recently someone saying to me, you know, like a, a, a friend who's a fitness and wellness coach who, who I, uh, you know, I appreciate their opinion a lot. I, I have a lot of respect for them and we have a lot of aligned values. And, and she said to me, honey, I think you need to eat more. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I just don't think that you're eating enough. Cause after so many years, then I kind of went to binging, but now I'm kind of at a point where um, I, sometimes I couldn't be bothered. I live alone, right? So I don't cook for other people. It's just me. And I get a bit lazy with the food. I kind of couldn't be asked. So I was just having like, like um, I, I call it a diet shake because that's how it's labeled as, but it's, it's just to me a protein shake, right? I'm just having a protein shake in the morning, Lunchtime comes around, I couldn't be asked, I'll just have another protein shake because I wasn't making myself food, right? Which is not not self-care, right? I appreciate that it's not self-care. It's going, oh, there's this thing that my body needs that I couldn't be bothered doing and that I couldn't be bothered dealing with. I, I found myself actually not eating enough food, despite my body still maybe being classified as overweight. I wasn't eating enough. And it's fascinating how, how much we can... Those old habits of ignoring hunger signals, like I didn't know that because I, I was napping every afternoon. I didn't know that the tiredness that I was feeling was the fact that I wasn't getting enough food.
1: And that's one of the wildest things about binging is that the reason why we binge is often because we restrict, or like the reason why we overeat is often because we're not eating enough. Yes. It sounds like so backwards, right? It's like, what do you and, mean? And I- why wouldn't we eat enough?
0: You know, like. It, it, that seems crazy because we're so calorie obsessed right yeah. um of there's a certain amount that you're meant to eat and it, how can it possibly be
1: the same for everybody oh, it's not yeah that makes me so upset when people like prescribe certain amounts of calories and and then
0: you have to stay within that within that look i appreciate that for weight loss to occur in some ways if you haven't done decades of damage to your metabolism that you know a, a calorie deficit is required in order to to make changes to the fat deposits on your body I appreciate that that's a thing but like that it's like 1200 calories a day is so low it's crazy huh
1: but even like coming back to like the health at every size thing that we haven't talked that much about I feel like it's, it's healthier to just take healthy actions towards better, bettering yourself than like to focus on losing weight, you know, yeah. like even if you are like in a high risk category with high cholesterol, like it's better to focus on including more fruits and veggies or better to focus on like walking more than it is to focus, laser focus on weight, you know, like that's what the yeah. health and every size movement teaches. It's that anyone can take healthy actions at any size, not that anyone's healthy at any size, but you can take those actions, you know. You, you can improve your health at any size. And yeah, I,
0: I like that. And I think that I think that, that modality helps break the stigma that smaller necessarily means healthier.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I, because, yeah, thinness is equated with health always. Which is so bizarre because everybody,
0: every, I don't know if I've ever met anybody on this entire planet who would say that they haven't met somebody who's as thin as a rake, but smokes, drinks, eat whatever that they want and they never put on weight, everybody knows somebody like that. Yeah. So is it such a stretch to think that somebody in a bigger body could not drink, not smoke, be be healthy, exercise and eat good food and not be skinny? It's socially acceptable the other way around, but this way it seems to not for some reason.
1: I know, it's, it's wild. That's why That's what part of the work that I do online is being like, you know, thin does not equal healthy fat does not equal unhealthy. It's not automatic. You know, that's, that's some of the language that I try to use a lot.
0: Yeah. So what are you, what are you doing now? How do you, how do you help people? How, how are you, obviously you do on your Instagram by being a beautiful role model and example that is wonderful. And you're educating people, but in terms of somebody who wants to work with you, what, what do you do? What could they expect from working with you?
1: Sure. So I do one-on-one coaching and I do group coaching. My next group coaching won't be until September, but my one-on-one coaching is basically geared around whatever the person needs. But historically I've done like intuitive eating coaching. So teaching them about intuitive eating, helping them integrate that into their lives. And the same with health at every size. Um, We talk a lot about clothes because surprisingly clothes have a lot to do with like how we think about ourselves, how we exist in the world. So clothes come up often. Oh, tell me more about
0: that. that like, I, I'm sure that my listeners will, and yours as well, will want to hear about that. What do you mean?
1: Yeah, so I have a couple of my last clients all had like issues with the clothes that they're wearing. So for example, like one of them labels, like those are my small clothes and those are my big clothes. And like, I'm bad at oh, yes. my big clothes. Um, you know, I'm only good if I fit in my small clothes. Yep. And and holding on to your like skinny clothes?
0: Yeah, like like holding on to them and not letting go one day I'm gonna be thin enough to get into
1: that again. And then you just torture yourself. Like maybe if your weight fluctuates, fine. But like if you haven't been that weight in like five to ten years, just let it go, or even a couple years, you know. Yeah, because then because then you have this comparison
0: rate that says that you're not good enough until you get back into that size. I I remember the freedom that I found and I've I've loved where the, the world has moved in the last I want to say three or four years because I don't even think it's been around for that long, Janelle. I don't know if you've noticed the same thing, but like 10 years ago, body positivity wasn't a thing. There wasn't any plus size Queens rocking it. I mean, 10 years ago, even on our, I was watching an old old videos of Australian Idol and 10, 15 years ago um, the judges were critiquing the women's bodies and saying you'll be, you'll, and like on national TV and it was totally socially acceptable to say, you look too fat in that dress. Don't wear it on a singing competition. Right. So it's only been in the last most recent years where I've gone, I, I've seen the difference in clothing brands that I can now shop in more straight size clothing stores. Now, again, I have, I have an element of straight of, of you know, straight size privilege. Um, I'm a, I'm a 16 to 18 Australian, so that I think that's a 14 to 16 American, probably. Um, so I'm a little bit above what the average might be, but I can shop in your Kmart's and Big W's and like I can shop in straight size stores. Um, I'm probably at the back end, and I and they might not always fit me, but I'm in that kind of middle range where I'm I'm almost too small to fit into the plus size stores, and I'm too big in the straight sized. Um, I'm a mid-size. I think that's what they call it. (laughs) Um, But I've loved going into those kind of stores now, straight size stores, and seeing that they're going up to 18 and 20. And what that means is that I can wear clothes that fit me, that make me feel good, rather than me trying to squeeze into the 14 because that's the biggest size in the store, I can look really good in my 18 or 20 and rock on. And and I'm noticing that in... um, I don't know if you have it in America. Do you have a brand called City Chick? No. City Chick is, the, is, a, is a beautiful, really, really beautiful plus-size clothing brand. The, the quality is gorgeous. And, like, they go up to a size 30, you know? Like, the clothing is built for the bottom of, like, the, the top of mid-range to, to, to plus, 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 right? And it means that women can wear beautiful clothes, that aren't just moo-moos. Cause when I was younger, I don't know what it was like for you, but I couldn't get clothes that fitted me beautifully back then. It sucked. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I know. I'm so grateful that they're expanding their sizes. Though I heard a story about Old Navy recently. I don't know if you guys have Old Navy, but we, they like are hiding their plus size options. They're not putting them out in the front of the store. They're in the back. You have to ask for them, which is like, my gosh, embarrassing for people like go out yeah yeah have, do you have, have to go out of their way to ask like why is it why are they out and I don't I, I mean I kind of don't understand the the why a
0: brand would care I, I I saw someone maybe um do you follow Kenzie 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 Brenner yeah yep. Brenner? yeah yeah I think she posted something the other day or actually could have been someone more locally they said if you're a brand who won't stop plus size but you're stocking oversize because Oversizer is in fashion right now. So like really big clothes on small people. And I'm like, she, she's like, if you, if you were a brand who does that, like almost up yours because, right. and, and literally I went into my Kmart the other day and I was looking for a sweater, just, just some knit jumpers. And as I said, I'm a size 16 to 18. I bought a size eight because they're meant to be oversized. I just wanted it regularly fit. And now I'm buying a size eight and I'm like, "Hang on a
1: second here. It just goes to show how made up the clothing sizes are. They so are. I tried on something yesterday that was supposed to be on the higher end of my size. And it, I almost ripped it in half. <laughs> and I just don't understand what the sizes
0: sometimes. And so it is the same in the States that you just find that there is very little consistency and continuity of sizing. Absolutely. And that, that messes with our heads. Do you think like, when, when in one brand I'm a size 12, I'm like, oh my God, look how important I am a size 12. And then another brand I'm an 18 and thinking I'm the biggest, worst person in the
1: world. How do you reckon it impacts us? Yeah. I mean, that's where we have to try to, I mean, it's, it's easier for me to say being a smaller size, but I feel like it's hard. It's hard. Like I try not to put weight on that. You know, like what, it yeah. doesn't matter what size I am. You know, it just, it matters did the clothes fit me or not. That's, it, it's such an important piece
0: because you, I, I feel like I saw a post of yours the other day, your body has changed significantly over the years from when you were disordered eating to now, is that fair to say, like in terms of your, yeah. you wear a bigger size now than you were before?
1: But yeah, much bigger.
0: Yeah, how did you kind of like overcome that of like, I should be a size eight, but now I'm a 12. Even though it's arbitrary and it's just completely made up and we know logically that it doesn't mean anything, but it would have at the time, right?
1: Oh, it would have totally meant something at the time. I mean, I remember being at fat camp, like looking at the size of my pants and just desperately hoping that I could fit into something smaller. And now I just don't. I don't think that way anymore. I mean, once in a while I'll be like, oh, I really wish I looked like that girl. And then that girl tells me she doesn't eat croissants, and I'm like, never mind. I don't want to look like that girl. <laughs> that All right. really happened. That That's really so happened. Good. I remember there
0: once being someone told me something and many years ago I had it on my fridge and and it was a Kate Moss quote that says um nothing tastes as good as skinny feels oh yeah no I'm with you the croissant is delicious actually that (laughs) does taste it
1: tastes better it tastes way better than skinny feels exactly so I guess that's that's around that now it's like I'll keep my like croissants, you know, I'm, I'm good with them. I'm good with my body being a little bit bigger than it was and it's okay. And if my body got bigger, that's okay too. You know, I'm, I'm taking yeah. care of it. Because I, my
0: mom often says, she goes, um, you're a long time dead. If, you know, if, if she wants to have the second cookie, she'll say mm-hmm. you're a long time dead. Right. And she's fit and she's active and she's healthy and, and she does the stuff. But, She's not going to restrict herself from having the cookie because you're here living life. Do you really want to get to your deathbed and go, I died as a size 10? Um, I was miserable, but gosh, I got skinny in the end. Like,
1: who cares? I've seen so many quotes that are like, I do not want to get to the end of my life being like, wow, I I wasted so much time worrying about whether or not my thighs jiggled. Like, why did I spend so much time thinking about that when I could have lived my life? Yeah, I could have gone after my dreams,
0: my passions. I could have I could have done that thing and learned that language that I wanted to learn. I could have done so many things, but geez, I'm glad I didn't eat that croissant.
1: No, thank you. That's not the life I want to live. (laughs) No, and I
0: think that that comes to that choice, doesn't it? I I often talk about this in my work, particularly with my clients. I talk about at some point you're going to have to make a choice that what life do you want to live? Do you want to live in the diet culture mindset that tells you that you can't be happy until you're
1: thin? Or do you just want to go about being happy now? Yeah, that food freedom, body freedom. that's, That's what I choose.
0: Yeah. Do you find, and I and I often talk about this, I find that I need to keep making the choice. Oh yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. So that's the same thing. You know, I think some people think, oh my God, they might look at someone like you and I and go, they made it. You know, they 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 never have a bad day or that they never they never have to come and get up
1: against that culture. But no. we keep making the choice, right? I recently had a coworker talk about how toast is an empty carb, and I had to sit there and be like, Am I going to engage in this conversation? I'm not going to engage in this conversation. It's not even worth it. And I'm not going there again. And I had to, and I just, yeah. So I, I actively make that choice every day where I'm like, I'm not going back there. I refuse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And keep making that choice of, it's not who I am. It's, I don't believe in it anymore. It's, it's not, it's not in my best interest to follow that path anymore.
1: No, it's really not. I'm, I'm choosing this path.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's so wonderfully liberating. I know that I mentioned it before and, I'm, I, and, and I, I do want to briefly touch on it. Um, tell me about the damaging effects that things like fat camp had on you.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, just thinking that like, I'm not going to be good enough. Like, for example, I was in a relationship at the time and I did not believe that this person loved me because I thought that I was not lovable because of my body size. So I went to fat camp thinking that maybe if I came back from fat camp, I would be lovable enough. So like, just thinking that like my worth as a human being depends on my success at a fat camp. Like that's, that's awful. And I had a friend come back, not a friend, an old friend. When I came back, she said, Oh, Janelle failed fat camp. She didn't lose enough weight. And that like rung in my head for so long. Like I even failed fat camp.
0: Yeah and so then it becomes the link between the, there's an I am there's an identity attached to it people have often said to me oh I know I really I really love myself I just hate my body and I'm like yeah let's try that on for size for a second pardon the pun I'm like let's try that on for a second so when you tell yourself that you hate your body tell me the kind of things that you say and they go well you know I say that I'm fat and I say that I'm a piece of shit and I say that I'm worthless I'm like okay so you're saying I'm worthless, you're saying I'm not enough, you're saying that I'm unworthy. Are you talking about your body right now? They're like, well, I'm kind of. Yeah. I'm I'm like, you're talking about you. You can't you can't separate the you that is your body and the you that is you when you're speaking in those kind of languages. It it you, th- you failed fat camp therefore you're a failure right like that's what you
1: made yeah, that mean at the time comes down to fundamental worth you know like I I fundamentally think that I'm broken and unlovable and yeah. it has little it has something to do with my body but it also is like me as a human being you know just what you're saying and and so
0: I I love hearing this other perspective as well from someone else's point of view to whom we haven't had a conversation about this is it fair to say is it the truth that you know in your journey that your worth has nothing to do with your productivity your relationship status your money your body your worth has nothing
1: to do with anything on the outside is that fair to say yeah absolutely and that's something that i even more so than body stuff i have to come back to every day like productivity still gets me sometimes (laughs) you know i'm like because i work in a capitalistic society and you know i work for a tech startup that's very busy and like sometimes i'm like if I'm not producing, I don't deserve to be here. And like, that's, that's something that I have to work through every day.
0: Yeah. And reminding ourselves. And I think that's a beautiful sort of tie to this, that I just want everybody to know that you're inherently worthy. You, you are inherently valuable. You are born that way and you will die that way. You can't do anything that takes away your worth you not doing or doing something, you're, you're worthy no matter what. And, and the way that I always describe that Janelle is that, can you tell me, and I'm going to play it out with you in real life time here. Um, can, can you name any baby that is unworthy?
1: Oh, I love that. I, yeah, and I think of like little Janelle too, like my childhood Janelle, like would I ever tell her all the things that I sometimes say to myself in the back of my mind? Yeah, because you,
0: you can't tell me any baby that's unworthy, right?
1: Oh. and okay so so think about
0: a baby is there any child that's unworthy no so then this is what I often talk about in my workshops. so then tell me Janelle were were you always an adult or it was at some point you were a baby I was at some point a baby okay so when did you grow out of being worthy then
1: yeah, I can't answer that. I guess <laughs> when adulthood, diet, culture, capitalism, all of the above hit me. And did that change your
0: actual worth or no. did it just change your perceived worth?
1: Yeah, definitely just my perceived worth.
0: And, you know, I, that that in and of itself to, to remember that we were born worthy and you can't grow out of that. It, it's It's inherent. You can't stop being worthy. We think that we're not, we're perceived not. And reminding ourselves, and I'm the same, you know, reminding myself of that. If I'm, if, you know, my business or productivity is a big one. I, I agree with you. Productivity in this capitalistic world of, well, how much money have you made this month? Or how much output have you done? I'm like, I'm just as worthy lying on the couch having a nap as I am speaking on a stage of hundreds of people. I'm just as worthy. Nothing can change it.
1: Yeah, and don't even get me started on how important rest is, you know. <laughs> so
0: so very very important we need to look after ourselves in in all different shapes and forms and all that jazz Janelle it's been beautiful speaking with you thank you so much for coming on the more confidence with Lunar Guy podcast I know that so many of your followers so many of my followers are going to get an immense amount of value from this conversation so thank you for being here
1: Yeah, this is amazing. I've had so much fun talking to you. Yeah, it has been great.
0: Is there any last piece of advice? If you could leave one droplet of wisdom that I'm putting you on the spot here, one droplet of wisdom to, to leave for everybody listening and watching at home, what might you say to everybody?
1: We've sort of talked about it already, but, or we've definitely talked about it already, but I think community is so important. You know, just the people that you surround yourself with, maybe in real life too, like maybe spend less time with family that's judgmental and critical and more time with your friends that are accepting and loving and like curate that Instagram or social media feed that you have. Curate it so that you feel good when you're on it. And yeah, I would just say like watch the people that you surround yourself with and all, you know, online and in real life.
0: I, could, I couldn't agree more. You become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if people are judgmental, then you're more likely to be. And if people are, uh, you know, making you feel like crap you'll feel like crap so surround you know curate your people in all aspects in real life and in online as well
1: yeah absolutely how can
0: we find you my dear if we want to work with you if we want to support you if we want to follow you how can we find you
1: sure instagram is the best place to go it's uh, G-I-N-E-L-L-E-T-E-S-T-A. so it's janelle testa on Instagram. And then the same as my website, janeltester.com, if you want to work with me, but that link is on my Instagram as well.
0: Beautiful. And I'll put everything in the, in the bio anyway. So for those of you who are curious, just go check out check out the bio in the, in the Spotify, in the YouTube, wherever you're watching this in the land, just go ahead and check out the details below in the description and you will find all the contacts to so go hang out with this beautiful human. I highly, highly recommend it. Please follow her on Instagram. I think that this community that she's created is absolutely phenomenal. And it has been a wonderful pleasure to have you here on the show today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. you so much for listening to the podcast today I appreciate you so very much if you have any feedback questions any comments that you'd like to leave why not head to my website www.moreconfidence.com.au or maybe send me a whatsapp message plus 61 403 981 597 I would love to hear from you Every month I run a free 7-day Ultimate Body Confidence and Self-Love Challenge for women to be able to really expand into their self-love and to come home to their confidence. If you would like to come along, again, head to my website www.moreconfidence.com.au forward slash challenge. Perhaps you may even like to buy a copy of my book, Perfectly Imperfect, Your Complete Guide to Loving Yourself and Loving Your Body. It's available on all good bookstores, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Book Depository. I also narrated it myself, so if you have an Audible subscription, or anywhere that you get your audiobooks from, you can get it there. Happy self-loving. I hope you love you.